I've really challenged executives since June when, well, you know, when they get rid of the $300 extra unemployment, then everyone will come back. Well, first of all, that's partially true, They'll, but it's going to be the low level workers, not the, the white collar workers, right? That's not going to affect them. The second thing is, doesn't it say something bad about where the United States of America has come that you can, you have a better life on unemployment? Welcome back everyone to the Geeks, Geezers and Googleization Show the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Googleization Nation, and welcome to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. What a, another interesting week. We are going to, this week, tackle one of the most pressing questions that we hear every day. Headline news. I don't think there's a new show or an article or some theme, some organization that's not talking about where have all the workers gone? Where are all the workers? And we've been talking about that, uh, a few friends of mine and colleagues of mine, for over two decades, beginning with the perfect labor storm. And it's it's here. Perfect labor storm has arrived, as you've heard me say, and other people have other names for it. Talent war, the employment meltdown. Good friend of mine with uh, Ed Gordon. He and I will be doing a webinar this Wednesday, this Friday. Remember what day it is. Thursday. Everything seems to run together these days. Things are happening so fast. So on Friday, we'll be talking with Ed. You'll hear a little bit more about that, how to how to reach, how, how to listen. We'll also be, there it is, aiming the labor shortage tsunami. We're going to be talking about building local talent pipelines. Ed has been on that track for years. We'll, and we'll post the link a little later, later on, or you can just go to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com youtube.com forward slash Ira Wolf. And right at the top, uh, one of the top playlists, you'll, you'll see it there listed and you can set a reminder or you can tune in on Friday at noon. Today, we're going to be talking with David Houle. I've met, uh, I've known David for a little bit, followed a lot of his books and readings. He and I got connected on a, what they call a salon, just basically a mastermind networking group. And I really enjoy some his writings and subscribed to his new later newsletters for a while. And his most recent book really resonated with me, which is called the Dec- 2020s. It's a, a decade of cognitive dissonance. And you've heard me speak about cognitive dissonance in another frame and another term. And we're talking about mental flexibility, part of the AQAI, the adaptability quotient. And it really is a, the ability to juggle, to make sense of the world, to, to take multi- different Posing thoughts. How can one is one site wrong and the other one's right? Or is there some truth in both of them? How do you make sense of that? So that's a simple way. But to describe that, David will will certainly give you a little bit more in, in depth of that. But part of that is, you know, part of the cognitive dissonance we're we're hearing uh, is where, you know, where have all the workers gone? And there and everybody has their has their opinion of why it's happening. And there is some fact, there's some myth. And there's some things we just don't know. And uh, so we're going to be spending some time talking about that. I've got a couple webinars coming up. One, as I just mentioned on Friday, Taming the Labor Shortage Tsunami with Ed Gordon. All these are free. That'll be at noon. Next Thursday, 
on July 29th. I'll be hosting another one. We're going to be talking about how to grow and thrive in, a, in an FCDD world. If you're, if you're a member, the F'd, up, the F'd up world, the FCDD world is frustrating, confusing, disappointing, and distracting. And that is certainly the world we live in. So we're going to be talking that uh, webinar. We are filling up. But there are certainly a number of seats that are available yet. So hopefully you can get that. And then uh, in uh, August, I'll be doing one on your playbook for recruiting in the age of Googleization. So later in the show, we'll give you the links to be able to subscribe to that. But right now, I want to bring David, David Hool, who will be talking about, uh, we'll be getting the answer of where have all the workers gone, right? Proud to be here, Ira. Welcome back, David. I know you were on a few weeks ago and just kind of a quick intro as far as the book. So you had a, and again, I encourage everybody to go up to uh, David's website. We'll put this up throughout the throughout the, the show. David Hool, you can see his name there, but it's very simple, davidhool.com. Uh, and you can pick up his book there, but you had a really, really interesting newsletter that just came out. I know you encourage people to sign up for that. Came out, resonated with me, and uh, sort of created the framework. And you started out as, where are all the workers? Well, so you you know, I, you're going to solve I, the problem for us, right? Yeah, I posted that yesterday in part because of this show today. And it, it's the I think it's like the fourth column I've written. And to jump right in, you know, the cognitive dissonance is is I've been advising companies and, you know, high level net, networked individuals since last summer. And for every one person that went through the pandemic, drinking too much and streaming too much, there were two or three people that absolutely changed their lives. Whether they moved to a different place, they ended up homeschooling their kids, they learned how to bake. In my case, I decided to get really fit and, and because you know th that excuse is, well, there's never enough time to work out. So I was, so everybody has transformed their lives. And once you take a step towards change or transformation, it's real easy to take another one. So if you're taking two or three of these steps and then all of a sudden your employer says, well, you wanna come back to the office? It's your same pay and have to listen to me harangue you. They go, no, I'm not going to. So I think we're seeing a whole lot of transformation at the personal level that then transfers into the workplace. And, you know, in that, in the column I did yesterday, you know, this stupid, I've really challenged executives since June when, well, you know, when they get rid of the $300 extra unemployment, then everyone will come back. Well, first of all, that's, partially true, They'll, but it's going to be the low-level workers, not the, the white-collar workers, right? That's not going to affect them. The second thing is, doesn't it say something bad about where the United States of America has come, that you can you have a better life on unemployment? Which led me, as you know, in the column, I went back and I looked at the time that the, that the minimum wage was the highest it had ever been relative to the current standard of living, and it was 1968, $1.65. I ran it through the inflation you know, calculator. And in 2021, that translates into $12.66. That's the average national. Of course, you'd have to have it more in New York and maybe less in Alabama, whatever. And then I went back and did the math. It was $7.25 minimum wage now versus $12.66. In 1968, instead of $1.65, which I remember working, you know, in the summertime, you know, when I was a kid, it would be 96 cents. So, you know, you've been on this for a couple of decades, but ever since the Great Recession, wages have gone down, not up. And I think, I don't know this yet, like your thoughts, as I ended that column saying, we might be 
in the beginning, this might be the demarcation of a beginning of the ascendancy of power, quote unquote, of labor and employees, which has been eviscerated for the last three decades. What do you think? I can't. There we okay. are. Sorry, that was me. That was me. So, no, that, that's a great question, Dave, and, and, a, and a great observation. I, I totally agree with you, and, and I think a lot of people will. I sort of will talk about cognitive dissonance. I'm sure some, some people, there's going to be a whole sense of say, oh, that's all right. BS. And these two, these two old guys don't know what they're talking about. But, you know, there's certainly been a trend. I mean, we've been talking about the gig economy. For, for years, how that's going to transform that. And, and certainly not everybody's going to have a gig job. But if you take out of 100, you know, you whittle that percentage down, the people who used to be full time, and then you whittle that down. And then there's, you know, they're estimating anywhere between 20 and 40% of the economy will be a gig economy. And then you throw onto that. What does that mean? Well, then you also have the remote work, you know, what percentage of people will be remote and, and a lot of dissonance in that. But, you know, people are estimating anywhere between 20 to 50 percent of the workforce will be remote. Uh, and some of those may overlap with the gig economy. But that also means that there's maybe only half the population is actually going to go to work. And then what does that look like? How are they paid? Just this morning, it was on one of the at a doctor's appointment on the way over. I was listening to the news and they were interviewing somebody uh, from a restaurant. And they actually she was talking about how she had to close the restaurant because the customers are so rude that they came back. And the question, that's a whole other story. Yeah, about it is. Right. But, and it had to do, you know, was it pent up rudeness, you know, where people just, you know, you know, quarantined and locked up for so long, they just have to get it out. And they got to take it out on somebody. But the bigger question was, is what does it say about the restaurant industry? Because they can't get workers. And I know their 24-7 diner is not open 24-7 anymore because they can't get help. They're actually closing down for five weeks, which I don't understand. They give their employees a break. Completely don't understand that because they complained all last year of how they couldn't be open and then they couldn't be at full capacity. Now they're at full capacity and they shut their doors. But the question is, is how do you pay people $2.13 minimum wage and all the tips you can have, and then you're not at full capacity or the service isn't good because you don't have enough cooks in the kitchen to be able to serve food fast enough. So people are frustrated. So they're not tipping and people, you know, so you go in this vicious cycle. So why would anybody go back to work for $2.13 or $5 or even $7, as you said, what the minimum wage is? Yeah, well, with the restaurant thing, there's some statistics I want to drop on you, but this restaurant thing, I think really, you know, the way I look at it, and again, I'm a futurist, I look at the high level, what we've seen in COVID is the collapse of 20th century physical distribution models, right? I mean, it's not just, it's not just online retailing, it's everything is moving online. So you're going to have a natural, and the pandemic really, to five years of change and collapse it into a year relative to residential, to residential, to physical retail and physical entertainment, right? I think a third of all the movie rest theaters that were open in January 2030 are going to be closed by the end of this year. I think a third of all the restaurants slash retail combined is going to go out of business. And it, it's a sign of the times of everything used to be physical until the internet, and it's taken 20 years and now you can buy a car online. That was unthinkable 10 years yeah, ago. Right? We were driving, I, and it's the first time I've seen it. We live in a somewhat rural area, uh, and, and and again, still not traveling at full capacity, but we were driving down the road uh, the other day, and I saw Carvana, 
you know, there's, okay, they were, were they picking it up or delivering somebody's car? It Because it's a physical thing, it, Carvana it, in 2020 was the fastest growing physical retail company in America. Think about that, yeah. right? So the fastest growing physical retail company is delivering and doing all this business online. I want to come back to what you're saying about the independent worker. The study in, in the 1980s in the United States, 1% of the total workforce were independent contractors. Okay. By 2019, that was at 12%, which explains one of the reasons why the growth of Starbucks, right? The third place. I've worked at home. You may have worked at home. You meet somebody at Starbucks. So, so that's before COVID. And the stats on COVID or, or 2020 was the greatest number of entrepreneurial startups in America in this century. And it was coincidental to some degree with the, you know, the stimulus money. So if you start a company at home and it feels good, that's part of the reason people aren't going back to work. The other thing I want to say is relative to this digital nomad that you referred to, the stat I've been, I've researched it. And so triangulating different estimates, by 2030, some 1 billion people will be digital nomads. Now, if you assume that the developing countries won't have that, that's probably a third of the population of the developed countries of the world, right? So we're saying a third of the people are going to be working from wherever they want to by the end of this decade. I mean, that, that's an astonishing trend. Oh, absolutely. And and I haven't been ignoring you. Um, if you, I was searching for an article that fits into this as well, because we can talk about the living wage. We can talk about, you know, right. all other story, whether we have minimum basic living income. But there was a study that came out the other day and it was about housing. So and this is what prompted it, it was called the out of reach housing. Co it's right. a national low income housing coalitions out of reach report. So well, somebody, if you want to get the details, they talked about the minimum wage and for for someone in lowest states for housing costs are West Virginia and Arkansas. Right. And the minimum income that somebody would need in West Virginia is $14.83. In <laughs> Arkansas, it's $14.60. And the wow. hourly minimums are $8.75. So, you know, so what they estimated was it would take 68 hours per week of a minimum wage to be able to afford housing in West Virginia and 53 hours in Arkansas. And then you get crazy numbers like California, Hawaii. I mean, California, the minimum wage would need to be $39 in Hawaii, $37 in Massachusetts, $36. And people are arguing now about $15. How can we possibly afford that? So the reality is the people that were putting the work you know, you may, they may be able to buy groceries, but they can't live anywhere. They have to, you know, they're living in a tent under a bridge. Yeah. And, and I just, I'm just going to call it out as hypocritical BS, you know, oh, the, the, was the phrase, the workers, the essential workers, right? Oh, the yeah, essential yeah. workers, let's applaud, let's bang our things and oh, invite them back and pay them a dollar more an hour because they're essential workers. I mean, these are the people that risked their lives. So we didn't have to. And, and that's what we think the definition of essential is. I mean, you just said, I mean, it, the the collapse collapse of the middle class has been, you can look back since 1970, wages have gone up 9% and, 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 and the wealth inequality has quadrupled, right? So it's a systemic 
thing that we're going to have to, as a country and as a world, we're going to have to face this because anytime there's been this amount of wealth inequality, and as a futurist, I'm a historian, there's either been revolution or, or rebellion or uprisings, right? So, so, you know, the whole thing about Bezos yesterday, I'm all for space. I think that's fine. You know, we spend our money and it goes to NASA. He can spend his money how he wants. But the whole reaction was billionaires in space. And why don't you spend the money for that? Well, you know, he then gave $200 million out. So, I mean, and his wife's giving away all this money. So, you know, let's just calm down and not try and be snarky. Look at the larger issue of how... You know, what, 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 what gets me about the pandemic is it took a lot of the, the middle class and made them working poor. And how can you have consumer economy if most of the people can't afford housing, can't afford food? What are they going to spend their money on? Right. So, right. you know, anyway. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and again, I think that's, that's so important. I, I know my, my granddaughter has been working at a grocery chain. And it just had interesting. They had a write up yesterday. It was the most one of the most profitable chains in the country in the pandemic. And, you know, they service a, a lot of small communities in mid-Atlantic states and northeast. You know, they in, she ended up making I mean, she's been there for five years and she got, I think, a quarter increase or a 50 cents increase. And it's great. And so she's getting eleven dollars and something. Set. She needs to go to work for some guy who does a podcast on geeks and geezers. Yeah, well, I, we tried, but <laughs> she she actually is working. She has some side gigs jobs. That's she's getting, why, paid, she's getting paid nineteen to twenty two dollars an hour to do something she loves. She's she's going to school for art therapy, so she's teaching people art and and you know she had a cooking class the other day at at the, one of the community centers, teaching kids how to, how to do basic cooking. And being paid nineteen to twenty-two dollars an hour, why would you go to work in a grocery store? Yeah, no, exactly right. Yeah. I I want to just give one quick metaphor, which is I've said that COVID nineteen is like a bicycle wheel with training, a bicycle with training wheels. As a parent or as child, you know that you learn how to pedal, you learn how to brake, you learn hand signals, you learn stop and what that means, and then what? the training wheels come off and you learn balance. Now, you know, if you haven't skied or you haven't done something like that in 20 years, what will somebody say to you? Oh, it's just like riding a bike. You won't forget, right? right. So what COVID did is it trained a lot of people balance in a rapidly changing world. And once you have that, you're going to stay balanced. You're not going to get pulled in other directions. And I think you mentioned a metaphor about, you want to talk about the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, no, absolutely. You had, there are two things I, I want to make sure we talk about because I think that's okay. a great analogy. I talked about it in a different way, light at the end of the tunnel. And it's also why we need to be like water. <laughs> yeah, so I, I showed and you're going to do this. Here's my T-shirt, Be Water, My Friend. Now, that comes from Bruce Lee. I've been a fan of his since he died in the 70s. And, you know, I wrote, when, my, when COVID lockdown happened, 95% of my revenue went away because I drove to airports, got on planes, flew to places, gave speeches, came back. So I had to reinvent my entire business model. So the, the image phrase that came up, you know, okay, so Bruce Lee, be like water. Water goes into a cup, it becomes a cup, it goes into a bottle, it becomes the bottle, it goes into a pitcher, it becomes a pitcher. Be water, my friend. So what I did to resurrect my business model, which is why I'm sitting here in a green screen live streaming studio is, 
I said, okay, COVID is my restrictive container. How do I flow my business models of futures into this new COVID container? And the answer is to make occasional trips, but, but, but charge a lot less and do live streaming into people's homes or into conference centers. And it also, by the way, cuts down on all the carbon emissions of flying. So, so that's what I would say to people is, is in this new world, which is different than the old world of a year and a half ago, what is the new, how do you reshape yourself to be part of and aligned with the reshaping of the workplace? And I think what's important to that, I think what, because water is just going to flow and, and we know right. that, but the containers are going to keep changing. I mean, exactly. I, I think everybody knows who, well, what's, which container should I be? And, and that, that mindset is, doesn't right. exist either. It's that we're going to have to take the, to take the shape of a lot of different containers and we may, may not always have the choice to select that. So we need to become adaptive. Right. Well, and you think about water, it seeks its own level. If you look at mountains and things like that in the Grand Canyon, what do you see? You see water and the effect that it has on stone, right? So, so water is not just fluid. It's, it, it's the most pow- one of the most powerful forces in the world. So, so every single day since the COVID lockdown, I, I, I think be like water today. And that's a metaphor it, when I give speeches to people. It's one of the ways, whatever the metaphor is for change, you need to stand and change, otherwise you will always be affected by it. Right. And, and if you think of what a world without water was would be, is just go to look out west. <laughs> well, exactly. This, <laughs> you, know, I, <laughs> you, know, you know, as a guy who started a, a global nonprofit, the, the Spaceship Earth, there are no passengers on Spaceship Earth, we're all crew. I've been saying, because people ask me, that by 2030, there will, be a ma- there will have been a mass migration away from the, from the states west of the Rockies, because this is only getting worse. You're going to have stories by fall, cities that are going dry, do not have water. If you don't have water, you don't have life. Well, they've talked about this for, for years. You know, where yep. We've talked about the labor shortage, and then we talk about a water shortage, and water is going to be a precious commodity. It already right. is, but we don't treat it that way. What, what, so, let's start. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to move to the third thing about the... the yeah, the tunnel. The yeah, the light yeah. at the end of the tunnel. Because I think people are, every day, people are, are looking for the end of the pandemic. There's light, right, right. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Well, consistent message I've said to corporations since last summer is do not think things are going back. There is no normal, no new normal. And this is the last decade, the most disruptive decade in history, where you are going to you know, where, where you have to stand and change. There's no going back. To the point of the cognitive dissonance, you know, the light, so now we're in the time of vaccines, right? So that's when the metaphor, oh, is this the light in the end of the tunnel? And what I've been saying to CEOs is the daylight from which you entered the tunnel is not the daylight that you're exiting into after the tunnel. And that's where all these people who think about unemployment is the reason or just off base because it's like the, while we were in the tunnel, for the year and a half we were in the tunnel, we had five years of change, and now we're coming out into that new change, and it's completely different. So the cognitive dissonance is going to be, you know, on the part of employers, why are people coming back and looking for, working for low wages? One of the things, by the way, I always say to corporations, if you talk about having a problem retaining or getting employees, the first question I'll ask you is, what is your corporate culture? Now, anybody who's saying, 
you know, a corporate guy who's saying, well, once the $300 goes away, they'll come back to work, isn't thinking culture. They're just thinking wages and making money, right? So, so anybody who, the people who have thrived, the companies who have thrived during COVID are those that have the strong culture. A strong culture allowed them to migrate to Zoom. A strong culture allowed them to find new ways of doing things because there was a cohesive culture. And a non-cohesive culture, you maybe have to have everybody come back to the workplace. The last thing I want to say is, time short, is, is the workplace of the future, if you have a company that's got 100 employees, it's not going to have 100 offices and cubicles. You're going to have half the space half the number of offices and a lot of meeting rooms. So, you know, sales may come into the office once a week. Admin may come to the office four times a week. Finance three times a week. Marketing two times a week. So there's not going to be that five-day work week anymore for people going to a place. And what we learned with COVID and the shutdown is when people don't commute, the air gets clear, right? It, saw, it faces climate change as well, right? Yeah, we, yeah, I was in a conversation yesterday in a panel, and we were talking about hybrid, you know, question was posed, where do you think hybrid work's going to be going? You know, what does it look like? And you talk about cognitive dissonance in that in that realm. And it, and and the conversation is always like it's a binary choice. Or now it's a it's a tri it's a it's a right. tertiary choice that we're going to have all all on site. Everybody's going to go back to the way it used to be, or we're going to have a hundred percent remote, or it's going to be some distinct right. hybrid. It and and the challenge is is if you look on a scale of one to a hundred that let's say one is all rem- all on site and a hundred is all remote, you got 98 degrees of difference between the two ends. And-, yeah, and, and, and I think it's going to be a bell curve. I mean, just as everything ultimately goes to a bell curve. And, and I wanted to say one thing as a futurist, people always frame things. Is it going to be this or that? Whenever there's a duality, right or wrong, all in office, all way, good or bad, yin or yang, it's a false perception because it's the human mind's attempt to put structure into an in, a universe that's infinite. So, so whenever there's a duality, something is missing, and you called that out. Yeah. And and, and uh, you know, this comes from. A, I was introduced to this. It wasn't his term, but from Johnson, I he talks about. He introduced me to addic- that humans are addicted to certainty. Yes. And, you know, and, and the challenge with that is, is that we need a duality. I mean, we need a choice. We need, it's either one way or the other way, because then it's certain and that doesn't exist. And it really doesn't well, exist anymore. My last line on that is, you know, reality is not fixed. Reality is mutable. And the good news, at least for me as a futurist advising companies, is that they always say, well, this is the way it's always been. At least when they went through COVID, now they're saying, What's, going to, what's it going to be like? So they're living in a reality that they hadn't expected, which is a great place to educate people on how they need to stand and change. Yeah. And, and as, as, you were, as we were talking, talked about the new, you know, the, the new normal, which is a terrible phrase, we're going back to normal. And, and I don't know if this came from you or another futurist. And I, I apologize if it came from you or to the futurist I stole this from. Uh, but they talk about we're going to live in an era of never normal. And, and that's, you know, that's right. level of uncertainty. Yeah, and, I didn't say that because I can't stand the word normal, but yeah. it's a good phrase. Yeah, well, right. and, and the other one was, and again, again, this might have come from one of your readings or, or other, is that normal is not a thing. It's a verb. It's, it's a verb. And Look it up in the dictionary and you get some weird, there's no, there is no definition of normal. Right. There and really it, there, it's different for everybody. And, and, and it's right. And that sort of, that sort of gets into the the lack of diversity or the segregation or the biases and the prejudices is this, yeah. well, I want to go back to normal. Well, my normal 
could is not very good as a as a white older baby boomer my normal was some some people would love to have that as the normal but there's a lot of people i don't want to go back they don't want to go back to normal because it wasn't very good for them and you know whether right. or color or, or women you know we're both old enough to go back in the 60s which people don't re recognize but i always said so women need want to go back to the 50s and 60s you want to go back to normal so here's what was normal in the 50s and 60s right you, you needed your husband's permission husband's permission to get birth control you needed a husband's signature to get a loan you didn't there were ivy league schools were all male basically didn't get an education because only one third of the women were in the workforce so hey that was normal that was pretty normal <laughs> back then is that the normal you want to go back to and yeah, really go into people of color and all the you know all the all the other injustices that were going on back there there's a lot of people talking about going back to normal and it's like so one last thing and it might it might be something down the line that when your mind when your curious mind moves around to it I have written a book in 2012 called Entering the Shift Age, and I said in, in, in 2012. I have it. I have it. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. You know, the ascendancy of women in the largest context, and you and I aren't going to be alive to fully see this, 1950 to 2050 will be the 100 years that will move history from being a patriarchy to the future of being a matriarchy. And so if you put it in that larger context, what you're seeing today is just that progression. And, you know, so women in the workplace is an entirely much more dynamic reality than just a couple of old white guys who are talking about it. Yeah. We gave some of the, the insights away, what you, what you can get, but your newest book, The 2020s, Decade of Cognitive Dissidence, is available. How, how can people get it? To, uh, the easiest thing is just go to Amazon and type in that title or just go into Amazon and type David Hool books and you'll get all my 13 books and click on that one. And it's, it's really selling well because I think I gave a name to what people are feeling. And I think you were really astute. You picked up on that right away when you reached out to me because I think we're living in it. This is a decade of cognitive dissonance. And until you can learn how to stand in cognitive dissonance, you're going to always have trouble with the 2020. And for somebody who just tuned in now and says, what's cognitive dissonance? What's your quick definition of that? We cognitive cognitive, that. cognitive dissonance is, is having to live in more than one reality. The reality that you have grown up in or been successful in or expected and the new reality that's coming at you that you're going to have to also learn. So you're going to have to be, it is a higher level, more sophisticated version of, you know, holding two contrary thoughts in your mind. You're going to have to live within two realities at the same time. And that's where the either or stuff is so frustrating because there's no either or in these paths. As you said, 1% and 1% in the middle, 98% are going to be somewhere on that, on that, on that continuum. Right. Yeah, I no, want to thank you for having me. I know our time short. I could speak to you forever. It's, it's yeah, a delight. No, thank and you. We'll, for we'll have you back. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I, I always ask, you know, I try to close with the guests. Next July, you're, you're back on the show. We're talking. To, what are we going to be talking about? Well, we're going well, I have been saying, you know, again, because I'm the futurist that's known around the world for facing climate change and the climate crisis. I've been saying as soon as we get out of COVID and we get resurrected economically, climate change is going to rush in and take over everything. And so a year from now, it's going to be a measurement, either how much worse it's done, how much we've changed. And then I think the additional thing is going to be the definition 
a whole lot of technical stuff. What's the definition of war? Is it cyberspace? And, and you know, cybersecurity, I call it cyber insecurity. The world is going to be hacked. And, and so that's going to be the other big issue, I think. Climate change and the technological threats that we feel individually and collectively. Yeah, I kind of as as you were talking about it, was, and and the next year we're having this big mid year election, and you know where where this is going to fit in, and 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 those are obviously not future future long term future, but on the short term future. But the conversations around climate change and and securities and unrest and social injustices or social justice. One thing I'll say as a guy who's been speaking about climate change for a decade, I attract climate change deniers, and I love them because I love talking to them in front of other people. I'm just going to say this for the record. It's my personal experience. I have never met vocal climate change denier who wasn't a white male Republican. So take that however you want into what the election is going to be next year when the world is burning or being flooded or you can't have water. There you go. We got it. <laughs> Ultimate cognitive dissidence. Wait. Thank you so much, Ara. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Stay safe. Uh, talk about climate change, local climate change. I, I see where the Sarasota beaches are all polluted with uh, red tide again. So 16 of their beaches are, are uh, taken offline. I want to thank everybody. I want to thank David for being part of the show. I got to talk to David forever. We'll definitely have David back and, you know, for, for a future show, probably way before next July. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. If you're not, please join Googleization Nation. You can do it at googleizationnation.com. You'll get updates about our upcoming webinars, our podcasts, and more events. You will, we'll talk about a little bit more about that when we come back from a commercial break. Right now, we're going to hear from our sponsors in GOMU and Success Performance Solutions. Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders for less than a dollar a day. The Ngomu app will support your employees in a myriad of ways, from career and personal development to health and wellness. No need to schedule and hold training. Just have them access over 90 coaches for live virtual group and one-on-one -on -one coaching for whatever topic they need or want to work on. Anytime, anywhere. Learn more at Ngomu.com today. Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to our episode, this week's episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. If you aren't subscribed, please do so. You'll get uh, weekly updates about our podcasts, uh, our guests, our su some summaries, but also a few upcoming webinars, which is what I wanted to talk about right now. I wanted to also thank uh, David Houle for being a our guest on the first segment. Great conversation about cognitive dissonance, but also... Where have all the workers gone? Some of the uh, some of the facts, some of the myths about that. So, I, if you're just tuning in now, 
or or you're just listening to this part of the show, please go back and, and listen to the first segment. It was it was a really a great conversation with David. He's got a new book, which I highly urge you to go out and pick up. You can pick it up on, on Amazon or his website. It's called uh, The 2020s, A Decade of Cognitive Dissonance. And speaking of dissonance, cognitive dissonance, I've been talking about that, part of an adaptability quotient. And the I'm having another webinar next week. It's free. Grow and thrive in this FCDD world, reft up world, which is frustrating, confusing, disappointing, and distracting. Part of, of adaptability, there are 15 different dimensions that impact our ability to change. Part of it's our environment. Do we have enough company support, emotional support, team support? Uh, how stressful is our jobs? Also, our, our personalities, you know. If you're extroverted, you need to talk about what change is going to be. If you're introverted, you think about it, you process it, you learn, you read, you listen. And and again, it's not a good or a bad, but it doesn't impact how we do that. But the, the one thing we can control is our abilities. And there are five abilities. And one of those abilities happens to be mental flexibility. And as you just heard David talk about, it, mental flexibility is the ability to manage cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is... As, as David described, David Hull described, is, is having, is living in two different realities simultaneously and we're living in the past and we're trying to live in the future. And we're really drug, we're struggling with that. We're, we're, everybody is struggling with that to a different degree. And uh, we're, we're trying to figure that out. And there's a lot of research going into that of how can we help people not being left behind, not only by financially, but what are, where are the new jobs? What's education going to look like? How people are going to live? What do we do about climate change? We have all these issues that we need to deal with uh, and, and process simultaneously. And we need these, we need to become better at the, at the five abilities. And each of us as individuals or as leaders in our community or as business, business owners, we have that ability to help other people. Even if we have those, some of those abilities, how do we help other people? And those five abilities, one is mental flexibility. The other two of them are, have just become buzzwords and they're critically important because we're going to be faced with multiple challenges in the future. One is grit, one is resilience. Grit is just perseverance. It's the ability to keep going, to keep your eyes on the ball. The problem is, is, is the goal line. Whatever the goal has been for many people has changed. And if you continually get knocked down and you, you resilience allows you to, to jump back up, and you keep going in the same direction as you used to be, but the world has changed and that and going in the same direction isn't going to be very productive or successful. That's not good either. And in order to change direction, in order to shift gears, we need to understand, we need to have that mental flexibility, that cognitive, dis- the ability to, to, to deal with cognitive dissonance. We also have to have a growth mindset, which is, would be the fourth ability. And the, and the fourth ability of growth mindset uh, it is beyond just continuous learning, but it's it allows if, if people who learn, people who are motivated to learn and try new things, are are typically not doing it out of desperation. People out of desperation will tend tend to be more fearful, but they're doing it because they're hopeful. So a when we talk about growth mindset, it's by learning you find you build the confidence to try new things. And with the confidence to try new things, you become more confident if you make a mistake or if you fail at it, because it's part of that learning experience. And all that basically leads to hope that you become more hopeful. So separating hope and and growth mindset, you know, chicken or the egg, but one does lead to the other. 
And it's important that we do have this, do continuously learn, but understand that thing, trying new things and, and new learning new behaviors is, is not going to be, a, it's not a perfect science. And we're going to have to be, give ourselves permission to, to make mistakes and to fail every now and then. A growth mindset is critically important, is one of the four key abilities in building your adaptability. And then the fifth one is interesting because we talk about learning new things, but we also have to unlearn the old behaviors. And David pointed that out at the end of the show, how important it was in dealing with cognitive dissonance or mental flexibility is that it's not just a matter of learn, becoming bigger and stronger by learning more about what we knew, but some of the things that we used to know to be true, some of the things that that either we found out weren't true or they aren't helpful anymore. And we're not talking about canceling that. There's a lot of cancel culture going on. We're not talking about just doing a memory dump and forgetting about everything we used to know because that did shape us and, and history is important. But what we need to do is learn to take that history and modify our behaviors for it. That gave us a good starting point, but we need to, to again, change some of the ways we utilize that information. So the five abilities are grit, resilience, mental flexibility, growth mindset, and unlearning. And I'm going to be talking about those next week. I've got a webinar coming up. Again, it's free called Grow and Thrive in an FCDD World. There it is. And there is a link. The You can go to, I believe I've got it up there. I don't know if you have it up there, Roxy. There it is. Bit.ly, reimagine tomorrow. Bit.ly forward slash reimagine tomorrow. So I hope you'll go up and register for that. It's next Thursday. I believe it's July 29th at 1 p.m. Yeah, at 1 p.m. Eastern time. It will be recorded. So if you can't make it, please register, and then you will automatically receive the replay. Uh, this Friday, continuing on our conversation, so on July 23rd, just two days from now, I'm going to be hosting our monthly Gordon Report with Ed Gordon. This month's topic is Taming the Labor Shortage Tsunami, and we're going to specifically focus on building local talent pipelines and how you build collaborations with not only government and the schools, but also your competitors. How how can you work with them? Ed's got a model called Retains, which is a, a regional innovative network, a talent, regional talent innovative network. And he's been doing this for 20 years. But we're going to, during the show, we're going to have two guests. They, Jack Oaks from High School Inc. and Erica Staley from Manufacturing Renaissance. So anybody who's in the manufacturing space, but really for this could be cross industry and then high school Inc. What they did with some of the local high schools to help build apprenticeships and training programs and introduce people to students into any of the, uh, the professions and the occupations that are in high demand and, and then be able to shape the curriculums around there and provide them the training and support, uh, be able to get those jobs. They will be sharing their story and they each of them have been working within organizations, our manufacturing renaissance and high school Inc. for, for many years and very successfully. So they're, they're really good models that you may, you will be able to learn from. So that's Friday uh, and easiest place to uh, watch it. I'm gonna, it's going to be on YouTube. So you can go to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Iowa Wolf. And it's on the top, one of the top playlists. It'll be available there. You can set a reminder. If you're connected with me on LinkedIn, it will also be on LinkedIn. 
So if you're connected with me, it will pop up that I'm live. So if you're not connected, please do that. It's Ira Wolf. And also we will be on Facebook. So on Facebook, it's on our company channel, which is facebook.com forward slash success performance solution. So you can watch it on YouTube, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Again, it will be recorded. And if you can't make it at noon on Friday, it will be available afterwards. And then in two more weeks, three more weeks, I was flying, I'm going to be doing a third webinar called Recruiting, a playbook for recruiting in the age of Googleization. And if you can put the link up there, Roxy, I'm trying to remember. If not, actually, you can go up to my website, successperformancesolutions.com, and it will be, there. there's the link. It's available up there as well. But if you join Googleization Nation, you'll get updates and uh, about this and notices, and that may be the easiest way to do that. So I appreciate everybody being part of that. Hope to see you on this Friday's webinar, which is Taming the Labor Shortage Tsunami. And then uh, on next Thursday, July 29th, we'll, we'll see you in Grow and Thrive in an a, in a effed up world. Next Wednesday, we'll be back as we always are on uh, every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time for Geek Skeezers and Googleization. I want to thank Ingomu for being our sponsor, as well as Success Performance Solutions. I want to thank David Hool for being our guest earlier. And I want to thank each of you for being loyal listeners, please leave a review up on your favorite podcast. Help us get more listeners and build the audience. We want to spread the world and, and help people make sure they're adapting to a new future of work and also not being left behind. Until next week, don't let the shift get your plans.